Yeah, isn't that cool? <clears throat> you guys, you just guys just got a seminary class in nine minutes. Isn't that awesome? But I, I do know, because probably most of you, if you hear we're going to talk about Jonah, the immediate you go, oh, we're going to talk about a big whale, you know, the one that's up on your kid's nursery wall. And, and what's interesting, when we get into the Bible and when we hit some of these stories, the tendency will be for most humans to go, okay, well, let me just learn about Jonah and let me learn what God was doing with Jonah, what was the situation. But I love what he said at the end because this is super true. The Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed. That means it's God has actually inspired it and, and moved the writing of that word so that it's useful today to teach us something new, to rebuke us, to put us kind of back on the right path, to correct our thinking, and to train us. And so as we go into Jonah, instead of just learning about him, what we're going to be doing here for the next four weeks as we look at the story is go, but what, does God, what is God trying to say to us? All right? So today, I'm going to talk on this first message about when God does the unthinkable. When God does the unthinkable. Because that's exactly what happened to Jonah here. He couldn't believe that this God would actually do these certain things in the story. So let me just make something super clear for all of us as we think about God doing the unthinkable, all right? He is going to do things that our minds can't comprehend. God, if you really are going to run into God, he is constantly going to be doing things that you can't understand. Now, this is super important because as we move into relationship with God, if you have, and we all do because we're human, you have certain expectations, okay? If I'm actually going to follow God, if I'm going to follow Jesus, here's what I expect. Let me just tell you this. If you're expecting God to go along with your plans and to think the way that you think so that your ways are done, you're going to be sorely disappointed, <laughs> And you're going to be extremely frustrated with God. But if you go into a relationship with God expecting that he's going to stretch you, that he's going to do stuff that you have never thought of, that he's going to actually move and work to get you in conformity with his ways, if that's your expectation of God, then when he does the unthinkable, it doesn't surprise you. And the truth is, there's not a soul, including me, deeply, that hasn't been super freaked out by God. And, and then I start to doubt whether he's really good, whether he really loves me, okay? So that's where we're gonna go today. But listen to this. You must, we gotta start here. God is going to do the unthinkable, okay? Isaiah 55, eight. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. It can't be more clear right there. Whatever you're thinking in this moment, God's like, yeah, that's not what I'm thinking. And so when he moves and he does stuff, you just need to know, wow, it doesn't surprise me. God's ways are not my ways. Romans 11, 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. <laughs> he, he's so beyond us, you guys, that you, the, your best thoughts about God are so minuscule to the grand knowledge, omniscience of God. And so he's going to do unthinkable stuff. I love this one, Ephesians 3, 
Paul says, I pray for you that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What's he saying? God's love is so wide, long, deep, high. It is so vast that you and I actually have to receive a spiritual power to even grasp it. His love is so good, so unthinkable in the human mind. Isn't that exciting? I don't know about you, but it gets exciting to me to think that God's love even is so unthinkable that I need power to even be able to grasp it. But we can know this love that actually surpasses our knowledge. So here's, what I, here's where I'm going to go today. I'm going to lay it point blank out for you before I dive into the message. When God does the unthinkable, there's four things you need to do. So can I tell you, uh, if you grab your program, pull it out and write this stuff down. If you don't have that, if you can grab the app, the K2 app, pull this out. And I'm going to tell you again, you will need this, okay, if you're human. And if you're like super Christian uh, and you got it all down, people you love will need this, okay? So take these notes, utilize this stuff, get it in your tool belt so you can actually help your own life or somebody else's, all right? When God does the unthinkable, the first thing you have to do is stop. When God does something you can't understand, you got to stop. And what do you have to stop? You have to stop the train of your mind and your emotions. I love my friend said, it's like we immediately, when something happens and we don't understand it, we go down the road to worst case scenario town. <laughs> that should be a country western song, I think, by the way. We imme- our mind goes dark immediately. And the next thing you know, your emotions are out of control. And you're full of fear and you're full of anxiety. And so when God does something you don't understand, the first thing you go is you got to stop. And the second thing is then you have to think. Stop and think. God has given you the ability, this is fascinating, even as brain science now studies our brain, they know that there is a depth in your brain. Like you have thoughts that are happening, and yet deeper in your brain, where you are, you can actually tell yourself what to think. So you stop, and then you got to think. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You can cause your mind to think about what is true. And what's interesting, that passage is in the very context of don't be anxious about anything. Don't be filled with fear. And that's usually what happens to us when God does something that is so freaking us out. That's what happens. Fear and anxiety comes. So stop and think about what is right, what is true, what is lovely, what's honorable. And then... There's a tons of different things you can think about, okay? I'm just going to focus on two today in this story and in For Your Life. And, I'm, and I am doing this every morning. I think I can actually say every morning. The first one is this. Stop and think that God is good. 
God is good. Every morning, no matter what, when I wake up, I don't know about you guys, for some reason, I will wake up with anxiety. I'll go to bed and I'll be fine, but I'll wake up. Something goes on while I'm sleeping. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm shoving it down, right, while I'm actually conscious. And then while I'm sleeping, stuff creeps up, and then I wake up and I'm like, Ugh. I grab my coffee, because that's the first thing. Actually, that should have been first. Grab your coffee, and then I sit and stop, and I tell, and I praise him, God, you are good. You can't, and I'll just keep, and I'll keep going until I actually believe it. I'm telling myself the truth. I'm thinking it. He can't do anything wrong. You can't. And I keep, and I just believe it. I go all morning until I can get to that point. So God is good. It's the first one. And here's the second one. And God is merciful. Stop when he's freaking you out. Think God is good and he's merciful. Now let me give you the definition of mercy. This is the real deep depth core of what mercy is. Mercy is when God does for you what you can't do for yourself. Okay? So on our level, if you run into somebody and they have, if you run into somebody who has a need, let's say a financial need, it's easy, simple to think this way, and they literally cannot take care of their own need. Can't do it. They don't have the resource. But you have the resource. <laughs> and on their behalf, you go ahead and you take care of their financial need. That's mercy. You did for them what they couldn't do. You were merciful towards them. Stop and think. God's good and he's merciful. He's always doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. All right? And so, let me just pray for us, and I'm going to get into this Jonah thing, and I'm going to show you how we, how we can apply this today, because this is good for every human being, right? God, you know everyone here. You love them. I believe they're here for a reason and for a purpose. And Lord, there's some people in here today who are, who are extremely scared, who are very nervous, people who are running away from you, like Jonah, because you are freaking them out. Lord, you know their heart, you know their mind, you know their situation, and I'm gonna ask in the name of Jesus, God, through your presence in this place, would you enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we can actually know you, that we can see you, that we will walk out of this place closer to you, receiving all the grace and the mercy that you have for us. And I ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this story, here's where we're going to go. Here's the first thing that God's going to do. He's, he has an unthinkable request. It's unthinkable, God's request to Jonah. Verses 2 and 3, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. There is no way, when, when God called Jonah to do, this, do, to do this, he's like, this can't be right. <laughs> you guys, I, I, we, I don't even have time to get into how horrific the worst movie you have ever seen of torture of another human being <laughs> doesn't come close to what history shows these Ninevites were like. They were a horrifically evil people, and specifically toward the Jews, <laughs> 
And so for God to go to Jonah and go, okay, now tell those guys who've killed your friends and your neighbors and, pe- and, and, and you go, this is unthinkable, okay, for Jonah. Let me tell you something, and this is important. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. I'm going to tell you something. This is just true. Every one of you in this room, at some point, the word of God is going to come to you. Okay? It is. Because you were created by him for him. And he loves you. So there's not one of you in this room that at some point, God is going to speak to you. Jesus told us, man doesn't live on bread alone. He lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the word came to Jonah, and I just want to point out to you really quickly and clearly here how it's going to come to you. First of all, and I I hope some of you are here today who are still investigating this. If you're at this place where you're wondering if there is a God, or if you do believe there is a God, if you're wondering if Jesus Christ could actually really be the revelation of God. Um, I just want to tell you, if you're at this place where at this point you actually don't believe in Christ, okay? You don't have faith in him. I'm just going to tell you, I am absolutely convinced at some point you're going to hear the voice of God. And he's going to come to you. And he's going to freak you out. He has freaked out every one of us who ever engaged with him. And here's going to be his request. He's actually going to ask you, he's going to request to come in to your life. That's it. At some point, the word of God's going to come to you and he's going to say, listen, I love you and I made you for me. Will you let me come into your life? Now, the other side of this request is he'll also say, and will you trust me with your life? Let me come in and trust me with your life. Because if God comes into your life, you know how he comes into your life? As God. And so when he comes into your life as God, that means he's Lord. So, and this is why it will freak you out. There has not been a human who hasn't wrestled with this. Because when the, the first time you hear the word of the Lord come to you, he's going to say, I'm asking you to actually let me be in control of your life. <laughs> and we don't like it, man. It feels unthinkable. And you know why we don't do it? Because, and here's what I want to challenge you to do. Stop. If you ever hear God invite you to this, stop and think. Because you know why we don't give our life to God? And you know why we don't want him in our life? Because we actually don't think he's good. If you actually thought he was good, if he was better than the life you have right now, then you'd want God. But we don't think that. Here's what I want to challenge you to think about if this is where you're at. Could God actually, the God who, by the way, is, how's this day out there? Is this a beautiful day? I mean, this is ridiculous. He created this day. He is so good. Everything that God does. So stop when you're freaking out inside. Think for a moment. Could God actually be good and could he be better? Could the life God has for me actually be better than the one that I'm living right now? And here's the second thing. 
Could he actually be merciful? Could the God who created you actually do for you what you haven't been able to do for yourself? If you still aren't happy, if you're still not deeply satisfied, if you still have behaviors that are controlling you and you can't stop them, if you still have relational patterns that continue to destroy your relationships, if you live with anxiety and fear, could it be that there's a God who's saying, let me in, I'm bigger than you and I love you so much and I'm merciful, I can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Stop and think about that. I just want to encourage you to, to do that. That's the first one, okay? Now, for all the rest of us in here who've actually done that, right? You've received Christ. You've got him inside your heart. You're reconciled to God and the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Can I just tell you, he will ask you to do things you don't want to do. He is going to ask you to do unthinkable things. Can I, let's just, and I actually, I want to ask this question. If you are a follower of Jesus, how many of you who actually follow Jesus, has God ever asked you to do something that when he asked you, it was unthinkable? How many of you have ever experienced that? Okay, great. Now, if you haven't, I don't know if you've actually met him. If your God has just been happy, glory, and he's just letting you do whatever you want, I doubt you've actually ever met God. Because this is the story of every person in the Bible, and this is the story of every person I've ever met. This is my story. When God came to me and asked me to end a relationship of four and a half years, it was unthinkable. When God asked me to be a pastor, that's unthinkable. <laughs> God's asked me to move numerous times, right? Right when things are going well. Then he moves you and it feels unthinkable. Then he actually wants you to love like everybody. That is unthinkable. Susie told her friends, if shoot me, if I ever marry a pastor or drive a minivan. And God basically opened up the door and said, get in, young lady. <laughs> I mean, really, that was, those were her lives. Shoot me if I ever drive a minivan or marry a pastor. And then he goes, that's, by the way, people will tell you that who've walked with Jesus for a long time, don't ever tell God never, okay? Or you'll end up doing it. So let me just ask you, is God asking any of you in this room to do something that seems unthinkable? Have you been sensing that? Is it a request from God? then here's what you got to do. Stop freaking out. Think. You have the ability to do this. And here's what I want you to think about. God is good. If he's asking you to do something, he cannot and will not, he cannot ask you to do something that isn't ultimately good. His will is good and pleasing and perfect is what the scriptures say. Right, Romans 8, 28, God works in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he's working in everything for the good. So when he asks you to do something, you have to stop. And you might look at this and go, but wait a second, there's no way this could actually be good. Then you have to stop. Stop those thoughts. Because Jesus told us, the enemy, you guys, is a liar. He said when he speaks, 
He lies. That's his native language. So immediately, I just think it's so interesting that in the Bible that every time God tells somebody to do something, the very next thing he has to say is what? Don't be afraid. Why is that? Because I think as soon as God moves, because he has a request, because he has something good for you to be involved in, something that will benefit your life, something so that you'll actually discover who you were meant to be, the enemy creeps right in, and he goes, I can't let you do this, because if you do this, it's going to be good. And so we start freaking out. Stop and think every morning, every time, God is good. Number two, and you are merciful. You guys, Every time God is going to ask you to do something, he's actually trying to get you to do what you can't do. You know what I know about myself? I can't die to myself. I can't. You know why? Because myself is selfish. (laughs) At its core, it is. So you know what he does? He has mercy on us, and he gives us a new spirit. Like, he actually, it's only the life of Jesus that can actually say yes to God. So I need his help. I need his mercy. And here's the other thing, you guys. He alone knows the very purpose of your life. The only thing that will actually and ultimately fulfill you, he's the only one who knows. And so when God asks you to do something, you are so limited in your ability to ever know why you were created in the first place. And you're seeking and you're trying to find the fulfillment of your life. But God is merciful and he will do what you can't do. He will help you find your life. But I'm just going to tell you right now, man, for me personally, (laughs) I have a really hard time imagining a God who would ask me to do something that's painful. Anybody else? (laughs) Okay. Now, intellectually, I get it. But when God asks me to do something that's either going to hurt me, I think it could hurt me, or I think it might hurt somebody else, I start freaking out. And I struggle with that. That couldn't be God. But here's one thing I want to, last thing I want to say on this point, because I think this is super important. Here's what we need to understand. God is merciful and good towards everybody. Towards everybody. Listen to this. Sometimes God's request is unthinkable for us because we're only thinking about ourselves. Okay, let me say that again. Sometimes God's request to us is unthinkable to us because we're only thinking about ourselves. Who was Jonah thinking about? himself. Who was God thinking about? A city so large, filled with people who will later see, don't know the right from their left, and they are lost, and they're on the trajectory to be separated from God for the rest of their lives. And God is merciful towards everybody, so he chooses one guy and says, listen, here's your purpose. I've created this for you. I'm asking you to do something. And all Jonah can do is go, no, God, and he runs away because he's only thinking about himself. But when God asks us to do something, he's always thinking about everybody. It is impossible for God to only be thinking about you. (laughs) He can only think about the communal good. He loves everyone all the time. So we're sitting there going, how can this be good for me? And God's like going, 
I'm actually thinking how this is good for everyone, and trust me, if it is, it also will be for you. And you know what's good for us, you guys? Love. And love lays down its life for others. So when God is asking us to do something, I bet you any money, it will always be because he's thinking about somebody else and he wants you to actually be filled with love. So whatever, right now, is there an unthinkable request that God is giving you? Stop. Think. He can only be good. And he's doing for me what I can't do for myself. I'll do it. And by the way, I didn't think about this first service. Let me just tell you this. You will actually never really know how good God is until you step out and trust him. You can sit here in church all the time and learn about how good God is, but you won't know it until you experience it. And you only experience it by stepping out. Okay? So that's the first one. Unthinkable requests. Let's talk about the second one. Then we have unthinkable hardship. Unthinkable hardship. Jonah 1.4, then the Lord, right? So, so Jonah's like, this is a ridiculous request. I'm out of here. He's running away from God. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about God. He actually has all resources at his disposal. So God can do anything, right, in this story. He goes, ah, Jonah, you're not going anywhere. I'm just going to throw up a storm. <laughs> and we found this about Jesus, right? When Jesus was here and he said the kingdom of God is here, the, the rule of God, he could tell a storm, just stop. So God literally has absolute everything at his resource. And sometimes that means he can be in control of nature. But you know what else? Lots of times God is just in control of our human interactions. And one of the things I found out about God is sometimes the unthinkable hardship he makes me go through is he makes me run into difficult people. And I'm like, why, why is this going on? And God's like, because what happens when you run into someone who's difficult? You're like, you make me so angry. But they didn't make you angry. You just are angry. And sometimes what God is going is like, okay, so, so let me, I'm just going to show you the reality of your heart. By heaven, you run into this person, and they're going to rise up what actually is within you. Because I love you, and I'm going to set you free from that. God is, has resources, all our finances. He is not distant, and he's not uninvolved. So listen, when God knows your purpose for your life, and he's asking you to step into it, and you're like, no way, God, I'm out of here. I like how Tim Keller said, he goes, if Jonah refuses to go into a great city, he will go into a great storm. And some of us run into a great storm because we're running away from God. But here's the craziest thing. The storm is actually God's goodness. The storm is God being merciful to Jonah. It is like he's saying, hey, Jonah, I know you're running from me, but you can't hide. You're not going anywhere. See, he's doing for Jonah what Jonah couldn't do for himself because of the state of his heart. Jonah could not say yes to God. He couldn't follow him. He could not on his own live out the very purpose of his life. Now listen to me. God loves us so much 
that when we won't listen to him, he has no problem causing hardship, storms in our life. It's merciful so that we don't go off and miss out the very reason we're here. And I just want to tell you, man, I, I don't have time. I've, I've shared this a few times, but about a year and a half ago, God had to use my wife. He had to use a dream. He had to try to get through to me because there was something really dark in my heart. And the truth is, what he had to, the storms that he had to do, he had to show me that I had gotten to the point where I had really begun to believe that God was against me. Now, I'm up here teaching you guys. <laughs> And I didn't, but here's, I didn't know, in fact, I'm doing a whole series on Romans 8, and I don't know if you guys, but Romans 8 is like the best treatise in the Bible about how good God is. And no, I'm not kidding you, I'm studying this, this message, and I'm going, this is amazing stuff, I can't wait to share this with all you. And then finally, God speaks to my wife, and he uses her, and she walks into the room one day when I'm getting ready to study, and she said, David, I just think you need to know that you actually believe that God is against you. And it was true. And I want to tell you, man, here's a, here's, here's a reality. When you know some things, but you don't believe them, your knowledge can block you from getting to the reality of your heart. And here's the cool thing about God. He was so relentless to set me free from this lie that I was believing that God is against me, that he brought up storms he brought up hardship. He was not going to let me stay in that place. Jonah's heart was hard. It was self-centered. It was prejudiced. And God was like, Jonah, I am not going to let your heart stay like that. Can I just tell you right now, some of you guys, your heart is so broken. It's so wounded. You believe things that aren't right about God. You're hard, and he loves you so much, he's not going to let you stay there. So what do you do when the hardships come and the sufferings come? You stop. And I'm telling you, man, this is hard. And I had to think every day. I started doing this thing called this 21-day detox. It's by a Christian neurobrain scientist who studied the brain and found that if you will think every day, seven times a day, about something that's true, they, the brain science shows that you can actually change your thinking. That's why you got to stop and you have to think about what is true. And I fought it every day, every day, every day. And you know what? Finally, I felt like God said to me, David, it's not that you know I love you. You know I'm not against you. But then here's what I heard him say. I just love you in ways you don't want me to. See, God what didn't want me to live in my little safe, happy life. He wanted me to become everything he created me to be. Can I just ask you, on this Mother's Day, how many of you moms, let's just say, but parents, how many of you have loved your kids in ways your kids didn't want you to? And when you do that, you do it because you can see the greatness in them and you're willing to cause them pain so that they'll become who you want them to be. Can I just tell you, that is God as well. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, I love this. It says this, endure, man, I cling to this passage. This is one you should, you should really know. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. 
For what children are not disciplined by their father? But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You guys, there, some of you right now are in an unthinkable hardship. And you are buying the lie that God is against you. You are buying the lie that he's not for you. I know what that is like to think that. You need to take this and go, no, God can't stop. He can't be anything but good towards me. And in this, in this passage, is he good? He goes, listen, he's willing to, it's never pleasant at the time. It's painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Is that good? You know what a harvest of righteousness? Righteousness is simply when things are as they ought to be. When something's right, it is as it ought to be. And God is saying, I want you to be everything that you were created to be. He's good. And the harvest of peace, hello? Who wouldn't want a harvest of peace? And God is saying that. And is he merciful? Is he merciful? That means he's doing for you what you can't do. What it say? It says that those who get this, it's for those who have been trained by it. And if you're an athlete, you know what it's like to have a coach who makes you do what you don't want to do. <laughs> Painful so that you can become who you want to be. God trains us because he loves us. So I just want to tell you right now, if you're going through a hardship and you're like, this is unthinkable that God could love me. You got to stop and think he's good and he's merciful and endure. Hold on, you guys. Hold on. Let the discipline do and create the harvest he wants to in you. Okay? And here's the last one. An unthinkable provision. Unthinkable provision. Jonah is so broken at this time. So what does he say? He's done. He's sitting on the ship. The storms come. So what does he say? Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Where's Jonah at at this point? He would rather die than submit to God. He would rather die. It's like, you know what, God? I, there's no way. This is an unthinkable request. This is an unthinkable hardship. Just throw me in. It's over. I'm done. And you know what's interesting, you guys? This is every human being who's ever walked the planet. We would rather die than actually submit to God. We would rather say, God, some of you, I'm just going to say that's some, that's some of you this morning. You would rather say, God, I don't want you in my life and I don't, I have no interest in following you. Which means I just want to be completely separate from you. And that's what he calls death. Well, then that's death because I'm life. And some of us would rather do that all the way to our grave instead of submit to God. Now listen to this. And what happens while Jonah is saying, just 
kill me. Verse 17, then the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now here's the crazy thing. This is an unthinkable provision. Because what's the story tell us? Let me just ask you. Okay, sorry. I almost gave away my key point. Okay? Think about this. Why is this provision unthinkable? Because what God is saying is when we don't want him, he wants us. When we run away from God, like Jonah, I remember I used to say this in my life. This was my experience. I know I was running away from God. I did not want what he had for me. And what I would always say is God just ran faster. We run away from God, but God runs after us. While we're still sinners and don't want to have anything to do with God, God goes, that's when I love you. You guys, this is unthinkable provision because most of us think God's only going to take me if I turn, get my act together, right? If you try to be a really good person, and here's the question, what was Jonah doing to deserve the fish? What was he doing to deserve the salvation of the fish? Nothing. <laughs> Saying no to God, wanting nothing to do with him completely rejecting him, and while he's rejecting him, God's like, I love you too much, or I'm coming, I'm saving you. He's sinking to the depths of the ocean floor, saying, I just want to die. And God's like, but I don't want you to die. It is unthinkable, the provision. And then once God swallows him up out of his complete grace, this is not because of Jonah doing anything to deserve it. He gets, he swallows up Jonah, and look at what happens to Jonah in chapter 2. This hard-hearted, prejudiced, self-protective, self-absorbed man says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Because that's what he was doing. He was turning away from God's love. And then look what he says. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. See, Jonah could say that because he knew it. He goes, I was trying to die, <laughs> and God wouldn't let me. Salvation comes from the Lord. Can I just ask you, how good and how merciful is God? Salvation comes from him. He saved Jonah's life, and not just physically. He saved his soul. He took a hard, selfish, prejudiced man and broke him in the belly of the whale to the point where his very soul was saved and softened and renewed. And you know what's interesting? Jesus, guys were saying, Jesus, would you just show us a sign so that we can know that you actually are who you say you are? And you know what Jesus said? He goes, no sign will be given to you 
except the sign of Jonah. And here's what he said. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What was Jesus saying? Just like God came out of his own goodness and his own mercy and did for Jonah what Jonah couldn't do for himself, I'm going to do for the whole world. I, and here's what Jesus was saying, I am going to take upon me. You can't follow me. You don't want me. You would rather be far away from me. But God sent me because he loved you so much that I'm going to die on the cross and absorb all the punishment for your sin. I'm going to take it all on myself. I'm going to do for you what you can't do. Can you listen to me? You can't pay for your sin. Because your sin is separation from God, which is death. The payment is death. Now, well, that's not true. You could pay for your sin, but it'll mean your life. You will be separated from God. So Jesus comes and says, that debt you can't pay. I'm going to do for you what you can't do. Now listen to this verse. It's so great. Ephesians 2, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he is full, he's rich, he's just consumed with loving to do for us what we can't do. And he, out of that mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, if you notice this verse, it says, even when we were dead in our sins. Jonah deserved nothing. And you and I deserve nothing. Even when we want to stay separate from God, he's like, that's when I love you. It is unthinkable provision. So let me just close with application for both of us. For some of you, you need to stop and think. Is God this good? And can he do for me what I can't do for myself? Number one, for some of you, you need to believe in his goodness that he will forgive you of everything you've ever done. God will forgive you in Christ. That's why Jesus came to die for you. And so you get to receive that gift. You just, it's a gift from God. You didn't deserve it, but Jesus came to give it to you. But not only just to forgive you, but once you receive him, if you say, God, yes, I, okay, I hear you, and you want in, come in, then God will say, I will not only forgive you, I will also give you my spirit to empower you to finally say yes to me. You will actually get a new heart from God so that he, you can actually follow him. This is an unthinkable provision. <laughs> he goes, and you don't have to do one thing except trust me. Ask me in, and I'll forgive you, and I will empower you, and you will never be the same again. That is grace, and it's a gift, and it's awesome for all of us. Now, secondly, let me just talk to all of you guys who are Christians. Because some of you, you do believe that, but the truth is you have been living in opposition to God. You have been running away from him. 
And if you're like me, when I'm struggling with sin, or if I'm struggling to do what God wants me to do, all I start to hear is shame. And I start to hear guilt. And I start, and some of you are going, and you're hearing the voices, there's no way God could love you, come on. How many times are you gonna ask for forgiveness for this thing? Come on, if you, you, you just mock him and you start hearing these lies from the enemy. And I just wanna tell you, this is where I do think sometimes God literally wants to scare the hell out of you. Because that is hell. Hell is living in shame and in guilt and in separation from God. And if you're a Christian here today, here's what you, you, you need to remember. Stop buying those lies and think. Because here's what God says. If you've received Christ, you are seen without blemish and no accusation and are completely holy and there is no condemnation for you. That's what's true about you. And this morning, if you've been running, stop running and turn again to God and receive his forgiveness and then let the Holy Spirit come and cleanse you and give you a newness. He wants to renew your heart. I'm telling you, yes, is it unthinkable what God's asking you to do? Probably, because God doesn't think like you. Are some of you going through unthinkable hardship? Maybe, because he's a good dad, and he wants to do a good work inside of you. Don't forget the unthinkable provision of his forgiveness, of his salvation, of a new power to live the life he's called you to live. So here's what the band do. The band's going to come out. Will you guys just close your eyes just for a moment as the band's coming out? And I just want you to, I just want to lead you really quickly before we worship. If you do have, if you're struggling right now with an unthinkable request, whether that's giving Christ your life for the first time, letting him in, or if you're a follower of Christ, if he's asking you to do something you don't want to do, will you just stop right now and think, why am I doing this? He's good. He's good. He can be only good. God, help me by grace to believe that so I can say yes to you. And if yours is the issue of hardship, if you're going through something that's so hard right now and it seems unthinkable and you're doubting him, you don't feel like he's for you anymore, you feel like he's against you, can you just stop right now and go, that's impossible because he's good. He's good, and he's doing something in me to create a harvest of righteousness and peace. And so just say, God, would you give me the grace to hold on, even though it's super hard right now? And then for some of you, you just need to think again about the unbelievable provision of his forgiveness and the power of his spirit, his mercy to do for you what you can't do just receive it anew again. Receive it anew. His forgiveness and his cleansing. He is good. And he's doing in you what you can't do for yourself. And that is the truth we need to think about. All right? So now let's stand. And this worship set is so perfect to give you a chance right now to sing these songs, to engage your heart, to engage your mind in the truths we're going to sing, connect your heart with God, and receive the fullness of his power right now to be able to walk out of these doors encouraged and strengthened in Christ, okay? Let's worship him.